Hallelujah. So if we uh, just put up our first um, slide there, Harry, thank you. We're going to go to Hebrews in a second. I better get this, didn't I? Get it on. But, um, I mean, not, not much has really gone on over the last several days, has it, really? Been a quiet week. <laughs> I mean, really, nothing's happened. I mean, I, uh, I understand people talk about an earthquake and a flood, but hey, didn't really experience much of it myself, so uh, quite quiet. Actually, however your week has been, I'm sure it's been all over the place, like mine, actually. Um, but whatever your week has been like, today we've marked this as an opportunity to really to once again acknowledge God's grace and, and celebrate something more of what he's been doing among us, especially you know, relating to these offices. So we guess what, we're going to finish early and go over there. We just want to pause, stop, and give thanks. And I want to approach it through the verse here, through Hebrews, the 11th chapter, where it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. And by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For, and Laurel picked this up earlier, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Father, keep breathing on us, we pray, this morning. We find it such a precious thing that we can pray for a dear lady thousands of miles away in time of her deepest need. And we can also celebrate what you give us daily and the fact that you bring us through by your grace this far and will carry us on by your grace too. And so, Father, I pray that as we look at something of this passage, you would please draw us after you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Excellent. You know, one of the things I, I've always loved about Abraham is, and I find so captivating really, is the way that he truly learned to live a, a faith-filled life before God. I mean, he really did, didn't he? doesn't mean he was perfect and he didn't mess things up because we know he did. There were times when he did. But, but on the whole, he provides a great example of what it means to live a true life of faith for God. Really, the kind of life that God calls us to as his people. You see, it's important not to miss it, isn't it? God calls us to live a life of faith, a life of trusting and believing. It's a bit like when Paul, he writes to the Galatians and he says, the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life I live. It's not just when a crisis comes, when the house starts shaking at 12 o'clock at night, or when the floods are pouring through your backyard and threatening to come into your house. That's a crisis. We need to believe God then. But uh, actually, it's the life. Paul talks about the life I live. And Abraham pioneers that kind of life for us. I mean, we heard recently from Tatender, actually, a while ago now, about the, the journey of Abraham back in Genesis 12, how Abraham was told by God, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. In other words, there's Abraham being called by God to leave everything that gave him security, all of his comfort, his familiarity, the stuff he's grown up with, leave it all 
And he does. He launches out on this life of faith and it's not just a crisis moment because it's not just a moment. It's week in, week out, month in, month out as he journeys on leaving his home, his old home, further and further behind him. So it's a life of faith. And, and in fact, this is why I'm especially drawn to the ninth verse in that passage we read out, read out earlier. The ninth verse says this, By faith he went to live in the land of promise. That's a real interesting phrase. Now, now some Bibles translate that as promised land, and it does mean that, for sure. But I believe there's something about this other phrasing that's important too, which many of the other versions retain. He went to live in the land of promise. Almost as if promise is the name of the land. It's a bit like the land of Oz. Went to live in the land of Oz. Or, or he went to live in the land of France. In other words, there is a place called France where French is spoken, and he went to live there. It's like this phrase is saying here, there is a land, really a, a lifestyle, an outlook, where they live trusting in the promises of God. And Abraham went to live there in that place. And he really does live there because it goes on to say this, he lived as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. In other words, here's Abraham in a place called Canaan. He gets there eventually. It's a place God has promised him will be his, but the trouble is, it's full of Canaanites and Amorites who occupy it. And so every morning, I imagine Abraham every morning rolling out of his bed and, and you know, going over to his tent flaps and pulling his tent flaps back and there's the sun pouring in. I imagine him getting up and stretching like you do and just looking around as you do. And what does he see? Well, he sees fortresses, Amorite fortresses. He sees Canaanite towns. And they've been there for centuries. And it's almost like every day he has to make a choice. Doesn't matter what I see. I imagine thinking, doesn't matter what I see. No, I'm living on the promises of God. God has said, this place, this whole area is mine. And you can imagine the ongoing tension of that. I can imagine Abraham, you know, just straightening those tent pegs and making sure it's all taut and tight and looking over the Canaanites next door and they're mowing the little lawns and waving over the hedge and, you know, and they're just raising their kids and they're opening up shops and they're going to school and all that kind of stuff. And, and they look so settled there, so settled there. And there's Abraham, I'm living by faith. I'm standing on your promise, Lord, that you will give this place to me and my descendants. You see, it's a, a lifestyle of faith every day. And just to say, it's a lifestyle that Abraham has adopted in other areas too. He really is a pioneer in this because, I mean, for years he's having to hang in there and trust God for his promised son. You know the story, 75 years old, God comes to him and promises him a son, that Sarah will give him a son. But it's not till he's 100 that Isaac turns up. That's a 25-year period of time where he's trusting in the promises of God. Now, he has his bad days, makes a few mistakes, but really, he's called to live that life of faith. And you know, there are times, aren't there, when we kind of know what that's like too, don't we? You know, times, long times sometimes, when we're having to hang on and believe God for his promises. 
You know, whether it's for all kinds of things, whether it's, I don't know, your, whether it's a son or daughter who's backslidden or is away from God right now, and you're praying day in, day in, out month in, month out, year in, years past, and you're thinking, God, you promised us, bring her through, bring him back. You know, or whether it's your wife or your husband who doesn't know God. And you know how hard that can be month after month. He's just as hostile as he was before. God, you promised me. And we have to live in that land of promise, don't we? Or for that job to finally come through. I've been through so many jolly interviews. God, I'm hanging in there for you to provide or illness in the family, or financially, God, please, you promised a breakthrough. Get me out of debt, Lord. You promised a shift in this whole area. Yes, yeah, so as individuals, we know what it's like, don't we, to have to live in the land of promise. We do. And of course, this is why the story of Abraham is so encouraging and reassuring, because, you know, as we look at him, we understand, don't we, that often this is how it is for those whom God has his hand upon. And so, whether it's Joseph rattling in his prison cell in Egypt year after year, or David who's fleeing from Saul and living in a cave year after year, or Abraham, we're in the footsteps of others who've gone before us who are breaking new ground in the purposes of God. And so we choose to live in the land of promise. And and, and the encouragement is this, that if we continue, there will come a time when the promises will come through. I love Hebrews 10 says this, God says this, do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly, what? Rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. In other words, hang in there and believe. Yes. And then he says, my righteous one will live by faith. Amen. And so we continue on until the promise comes through. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What is true of an individual is also true for a church. Because as a church, we, King's Church, are also called to live in the land of promise. We really are. Because, because as a church, we've received promises, haven't we? We have, and they're glorious promises. Promises like this, that God is building us into a church that will truly bring his heavenly kingdom in. His kingdom culture, his kingdom power. I believe God's promised us that. Or promises like this, that God is building us into a church that will be full of the Spirit so that we can preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed. That we will become more and more a church that is comfortable with that. And even more specifically, God's promised us that he will make us into a church that can shepherd hundreds and even thousands around the Wellington region and beyond. And that we will have congregations in each of the four areas of the Wellington region. He gave us that promise before we started. That's an incredible promise. And sometimes I admit these promises can seem so big 
And we can look at ourselves as if we barely started. We think, what is that? But that's okay because they're no more or less impossible than the promises Abraham had or Joseph or David. No less or more impossible. And also, because we have such promises, it's so important to do what we're doing today, to stop and pause and celebrate and be thankful for every step towards the fulfillment of those promises. Yeah? I mean, that's why we celebrate and cheer whenever anyone experiences a healing. I mean, look, whether it's a, a headache lifting off someone or an eye being cleared up or, or back pain easing, we celebrate not because we're trying to show off and say, look at us, we've arrived. <laughs> no, we're saying, praise God, that's another small step towards the promise of becoming that supernatural spirit-filled people. That's why. So we go to town on these things because it's a promise to be fulfilled. And we're on the way. So it's good to celebrate. And actually, just to say, over the last several months or more, you know, there have been other small steps that we should celebrate too. And I want to just take a moment of your time to remind you of one or two or three of them uh, before we close. I mean, one step which most of you won't know anything about even, just want to bring it to your attention, is that over the last year or so, a bit longer, actually, we've had an overhaul and a reshaping of our whole trustee structure. Some of you might be thinking, we have trustees. Well, we do. We do. We have trustees. And we've seen this thing shaped through wonderfully. Look, I want to introduce to you just some of the names of our King's Church trustees. So there's Phil, trustee. And there's Lani, and he takes after the legal stuff, the stuff that the rest of us don't understand. And Julian, he's our HR. Not HRH, just HR. Human resources. Maddie P, he's our health and safety. Annalise is our guru of finance. She really knows what she's talking about. And me, I'm the chair, which means I get sat on by everybody else. <laughs> but can I just say, this is a great team. Full of expertise and experience, but also full of faith. And this team is working so well to help push the church through into the promises of God. So just as a little starter, I wanted to say, I really celebrate that. And these folks give a lot of time to make it happen. So can we just put our hands together right now and say, thank you for serving us so well. And Alana, actually, Alana's not here, but she's our kind of admin person who kind of serves that team and keeps us all in order and keeps us on track. So, uh, again, we're just so grateful to her as well. Second big step we took as a church uh, about a year or so ago, really, beginning, very beginning of this year, is that we took Mr. Phil Haddo on full-time onto the staff. Yes, we did. And uh, just to say, that was massive for us, and it is massive, and we do it not because it's something to do. Ah, oh, what should we do? Um, let's bring Phil on staff full-time. No, that's not why we did it. No, we did it that because we did it this way, or for this reason, because by releasing Phil full time, he can devote more and more time to encouraging and releasing and equipping us to reach out with the truth of who Jesus is, the gospel. That's why. And so it's a strategic move towards fulfilling those promises that I mentioned earlier. It's a strategic step. And then, and then the third big step for us I want to mention, of course, is... is is this. It's getting these offices. Again, they're not an end in itself. It's not so that we can say, we have offices now. We have offices now. You're King's Church. What do you do? Well, we have offices now. 
Yeah, but what do you do? No, we have offices now. But what are you going for? Ah, oh, we have offices. Excuse me? We have offices now. No, no, it's not. That's not what we... These offices are a platform for more. Understand that. Because from these offices we can launch training programs, initiatives into the community, whether it's conversation clubs or mums and bubs or half-times or alphas or whatever they may be. We can launch it from there into the community. Prayer initiatives, counselling and discipling. We can coordinate our admins so much more efficiently and more. And so these offices are another crucial step towards the fulfilling of those promises. And so I do thank God for these offices. I really do. And that's what today is about. And today it's good to recognize that there have been people among us who have worked hard to make it happen. Right from the earliest days. I mean, Tim, where's Tim at the back there? We came to Tim, didn't we? Me and Phil and said, Tim, this is kind of what we want. Could you find us some offices? And so Tim ducked off, disappeared, and then after a while resurfaced again and said, I think I found something. So we wandered over to these offices and walked around. We compared it with somewhere else, but we thought, this is it. So thank you, Tim. Well done. It was great. Found us an offices. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Now, over the last few Sundays, we've been thanking a few people, Maddie P and Becca. Obviously, Matt's not here. They're away on holiday. But, uh, you know, Matt and Becca, they did so well. They worked so hard. Matt pulled together teams and got stuff together to paint and redecorate the place. He did a great job. Next time you see him, just say, Matt, thank you so much for what you did. He worked hard, and, and Becca really helped just release him and supported him in that as well, which was so, so good. Uh, Lawrence and Roberta aren't here this weekend. They're away for the weekend. But next time you see him, slap him on the back and say, Lawrence, thank you so much. He worked so hard. He was so precise. He put lots of hours in. He did such a good job. Uh, but there are others as well. In fact, if you had anything, any involvement with the painting and decorating of the offices, could you just stand where you are now? Could you just stand for a second? Don't want to embarrass you, but it's good. Look at that. There's quite a few people there. I'm really grateful. Thank you for doing that. Stay standing. We just want to say, oh, sit down then. But we just want to say, seated or standing, thank you. Marianne and Jan, they worked so hard. They headed up teams. They were there constantly. They put hours in. So Jan and Marianne, thank you for what you did. Yeah, thank you for what you did. Uh, Sarah Hurrell was around earlier, but Marty, he's not here again. But, but next time you see him, thank him, because he put many hours in as well. See, people have served us so well. And, and so when we go over to the offices and you see any one of those people there, thank you for the young people, uh, Victoria and Henry and others, you, you really helped us out. So when you see these folks that are over there in the offices, make sure you slap on the back and say thanks. Love your paintwork. That's if you do. No, no, it would be great. The paintwork is brilliant over there. So, so thank these folks. But again, just to remind you, you know, these offices, they are a platform for us to move forward. In the same way that Phil coming on full time is a platform for us to move forward. And this brings me to my last point, really, before we go over. And it's simply this. Our calling is to continue to live in the land of promise. It really is. To, to genuinely believe God that he will cause us to become the church he wants us to be. All right? Bringing in the kingdom, full of the spirit, shepherding hundreds and planting out different congregations into the areas. I think that's an amen. No, that's right. No, we're going to close now. That's right.
And um, they could have been coming to us anyway. No. Um, that's what we're doing. So even as we thank God for what's happened so far, and as we walk around the offices in a few minutes and have lunch, please be aware that we need to continue to step out in the life of faith. We need to continue. And remembering that faith... There you go. Remembering that faith is not just an outlook or an attitude. Folks, it's an action. Faith is an action. Abraham did have to sacrifice things in order to move forward and make it happen. And we will too, in terms of our time and our energy, uh, but also, can I say, in terms of our finance as well. I want to bring that one up as well, our finance. On a month-by-month -month basis, you know, there are people here who give generously, so generously, into the heart of the church. And um, I just want to say it's a privilege to be partnering with them in this great family called King's Church. It's a privilege. Just to say, on average, on our month-by-month -month giving, we get about, well, our month-by-month -month is all over the place, Annalise keeps saying to us, and it is, but on average, we get about, I don't know, 20,000 in to the church, income-wise, by what people give, which is wonderful. We're so grateful for that. And our monthly giving are here. This is a, these are figures from last year, actually, so they're a little bit out of date, but it hasn't changed much, actually. So what we have here is that our monthly giving currently is just over 20,000. But of course, because of what we're doing, actually, the amount that we need is above 25 thousand dollars a month all right so that's in order to sustain these new big steps we need to raise our giving by about five thousand a month now if anybody wants to supply that could you please see me afterwards <laughs> no no every head bowed every eye closed no 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 i know it's probably too much for one person but you see as a family it's different as a family we can all contribute into this and so that's why I wanted to bring it up. Matt Patterson actually came up to me a while ago and he said, Pete, he saw those figures, he said, Pete, if everybody just increased their giving by about 20%, we'd crack that easily. I thought, Matt, that's one way of looking at it. He kind of thinks that way. I thought, well, that's a good goal. That's a good marker. And I know Julie and I, that's what we'll be looking at. God, help us. We want to raise our giving into this. And I'm sure whatever you give, whatever you give, you were to raise it by 20%. We'd hit that mark easily. So can I just put that out there this morning? I wanted to put that out there as a kind of a challenge to you. Something to seriously pray about. And of course, if you've never really given anything, can I ask you to review that? In fact, I command it because the Bible says we are to be those who give. All right? We give generously. So... It's all part of what it means to be building this church and coming into the promises. And at the end of the day, I guess the question is, do we personally want to own these bigger promises that the church has? Do I believe that God wants me to become part of that kind of a church? That the journey we're on, and it's a journey of faith, will I believe enough for this, these promises, that I will personally step out in faith? And support it. Before God, can I just ask you to take that question seriously this morning? Even as we celebrate, and we do, we say, thank you, Lord, you're moving us on. 
But even as we say, thank you, Lord, the, the provocation comes, will I step out more? Because it's a journey of faith. The life we live as a church, we live by faith in so many ways, but also in this particular way of finance. I want to lay that before you, even as we celebrate what the grace of God has put in us. I believe we have a wonderful, wonderful calling. Together, we are called to live in the land of promise, but the promises, when they come, will affect the lives of hundreds and ultimately thousands in this country and to the ends of the earth. Did you believe that? Let's go for it, shall we? Amen? Amen. Can I ask you to stand? Let's just stand, because we're going to go over there right now. But before we go, just as we close, I'm just going to pray. And, and please join with me in my prayer. I'm going to pray thanks, first of all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us this far. Thank you for promises that are meaningful. Yeah. Father, I do. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us meaning and purpose. Thank you, Father, that you saved us out of futility. And you saved us into destiny. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you that as a church you have a point to us being here. Lord, I thank you we're not just occupying space, slapping each other on the back and doing religious things. Father, thank you, Lord, that you've given us a higher promise than that. That, Father, through what you will do. Lord, I want to thank you for those who have been affected by this church in the years past. Lives that have been changed. People who have been baptized and born again. But Father, we recognize that the promises are bigger yet. And we feel like Abraham sometimes going, when will it be that we see the bigger promises come through? But Father, we trust you. We take your word seriously when you say, don't throw away your confidence. Father, this morning we don't. We celebrate these offices and we say, thank you for what shall be. And Father, we want you to speak to us, please. Please challenge us. Put your finger on our hearts that individually we might walk into the land of promise and live by faith. Not just for our personal needs, which are crucial and many, but also in terms of what part we play in the community here, the family. Father, we know so many give of themselves their time and their energy. Father, I pray too that you'd help us to, yeah, to express the value we have in this by what we give as well. So, Father, I pray that by your Spirit you speak to each one of us. And, Lord, we thank you once again for those wonderful officers down the road. And even as we go down there now, Father, we just say thank you to you. Thank you so much, Lord, that we are there in the heart of this area now, able to reach out in your name and for the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen.